You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Are listening to the Therapy Podcast with your host, Shloimi Balsam. Hello and welcome to episode number four in our self sanity series. Um, we're probably gonna have one more after this. I'm sort of like tacking that on, and then we're gonna go. It's gonna be a segue into actual like brain therapy and the speech and the counseling and all that. But first, we have to talk about taking care of ourselves because, again, we cannot take care of others before we are well taken care of. Correct? We've discussed exercise, keeping our bodies active. Now, let's talk about a little bit how we're going to feed our body. It takes a moment for us to perceive our body as a tool. We are given this body to be able to function. There are a lot of things we want to do and accomplish and become. And our body is that medium, that conduit to our success. We we have hands that can build and construct things, legs that can take us places. We have a mind that can think, nose that can smell and all our senses and etc, etc. And these are all tools. And we are going to discuss today how to take care of these tools so that our tools will last. Because, you know, you buy a food processor and if it functions for five, ten years, you're happy and you go out and buy another one. But thank God our bodies last longer than five, ten years. And it just keeps pumping, it keeps going, it keeps breathing and it keeps doing its thing. And all of that does not happen itself. Try skipping two meals and see how you feel. Somehow... You know, the energy just leaves and all of that potential is gone. After eight hours without eating, your body begins to use stored fats for energy. Your body continues to use stored fats to create energy throughout the remainder of your 24-hour fast. That's if you go a full 24 hours without eating any food. If you don't eat for more than 24 hours then your body starts taking stored proteins and turning that into energy. You need energy. And I'm not just talking about going to rave and dancing for eight hours energy. I mean, pulling yourself out of bed, standing up. It's hard to stand up. It takes energy to stand up. It takes energy to smile, to talk, to answer your phone, to type. All of these things are energies. Everything that you want to do today is going to need energy. And... 
energy is provided by whatever you provide it with. If you provide it with junk food, then you'll still be functioning and you might even feel fine and you could definitely get used to it. I have a friend who eats nothing but pizza and potato chips and he's still chugging along. There's obviously the long-term effects that we have to think about and even short-term for those of us who don't want to look past today, you will have a clearer mind, more energy. You will feel better. You will have a more, a more positive outlook on everyone around you. So this is not just for yourself. If your kid spills a cup of milk when you are on a full stomach, it's cute. Okay, not that cute, but it's all right. If he's cute, it's cute. If they spill that cup of milk and you're hungry, it's a very different scene. So we're not just dieting for ourselves. So even if you do say, you know what, hey, it's, you know, I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind living on pizza and coffee. It's not just about you. Here's an opportunity to think past yourself. And you can actually be eating for uh, others. That's fantastic. I hope to do a, a podcast on giving versus receiving. And it can very often be a very fine line. And here's one way that you can push all of your taking into receiving mode. I'm, I, yeah, I'm going to be eating breakfast. You're going to be eating breakfast tomorrow anyways. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you're hungry? That would be taking. Or are you doing it so that you can be a more pleasant person to the people around you? And that can very well be an act of giving. Interesting thought. Okay, so let's talk about some of the top diets. Okay. We have the Mediterranean diet, the flexitarian diet. There is a DASH diet, the, diet, the dietary approaches to stop hypertension. And then, of course, Weight Watchers. These are top four diets of 2020. They're all good. I'm not here to place, you know, push any of them to the side. If you can sign up to a diet that works well for you, don't let this stop you. But I want to tack on one more diet, which will trump them all. I think I can honestly say that with all humility and non-bias that the schlemmy balls and diet will trump it all. And it goes something like this. Okay, step one, eat less. That's it. That's the whole diet. You got you, you just got the entire thing right there. There is no there there's not even a pamphlet of information. I cannot I cannot even write a paragraph for you on this. This is the entire thing. Just eat less. Let's go back to to the Rambam, to Maimonides, uh, who was one of the earliest uh, documented I know about a thousand years ago talking about uh, dieting and health. And one of his tenets is that more important than what you eat is how much you eat. So let's take my uh, pizza and chips friend. If he's having healthy doses of pizza and healthy portions of pizza and chips three times a day, and let's compare that to someone who is having... Salads. Salads are healthy, right? There's a salad diet. It's pretty extreme. You eat nothing but salad for a couple of weeks. You tack those two guys together. 
One of them is having a healthy dose portion of pizza and chips. And the other one is having a mountain of salad. Okay, it's, I have to probably crank it up a little bit. It's probably you know, a little more, more than just lettuce. But what Maimonides is saying is that too much food is a lot more harmful than bad food. Your body can break down the bad stuff. It'll deal with it. But a ton of food is a ton of work for your stomach. Again, it's just a little mixing machine in there. You have to give it time. You have to give it space. There's a certain amount you're supposed to eat. Eating more than that is incredibly harmful. And that is where the big eating disorders come to play. It doesn't come to play quickly. It's a habit. And this habit can very well very well be traced to sociological sources. Let me give you an example. 50 years ago, even in America, 50 years ago, people ate until they were, I know you're thinking full, but no. 50 years ago, people ate until they were no longer hungry. That is a healthy time to stop eating. It takes your mind somewhere around five minutes to realize how much food you just ingested. If you're eating less than five minutes and fast food does cater to less than five minute meals, you could plow down three hot dogs in three minutes. I, I, I'm not talking about, you know, the competitions. That Those are terrifying. But that's, uh, that is eating food faster than your mind is aware of. And one of the things we're going to try to introduce today is cueing our mind in while we eat. If your mind is aware of what you're eating and it knows what you're up to, you, it will tell you, hey, buddy, you're not hungry anymore. And then you, that, that drive, that, that craving for food is minimalized tremendously. So how do we do that? So first, building consciousness is always a step one. You have to know that, that this is something that we're working on. Accept upon yourself. Then now when I sit down to eat, I will tell my mind. I will think consciously, okay, we're going to eat now. Right now I'm hungry. And the goal is to not be hungry. How do we get from here to there? Here's my food. Don't take more food than you need. In fact, take less food than you think you need. You could always go and get more. Studies show that the smaller the plate, if you're going out to buy cutlery, buy smaller plates. The smaller the plates, the less people eat. Because you have a huge plate, you got to fill it up. Small plate, you fill it up to the brim, it's still less than you would have had it if you had the big plate. Tell your mind that you're going to be eating to, to fill up. Just enough to no longer be hungry. We're not going to be full. We're going to be no longer hungry. Take that time. Now, practically speaking, in the military, when they eat, they're trained in everything. Absolutely everything. And that includes how to eat. And everything is very directed and methodical. I assume when you're in the army, you need your food to carry you a lot further than you do if you're going to be sitting at a desk. What they are instructed to do is pick up a fork, look at the food, and then put it in your mouth. 
When was the last time you looked at your fork? I'm, I'm serious. You go out to a restaurant and you order something intriguing, then yeah, you'll glance at your fork like, oh my gosh, what's this? And then after the fourth and fifth bite, you're back into the conversation and the rest of the dish is, you know, it, it, it could have been uh, mac and cheese for all you know. It doesn't make a, make a difference after the first because you stopped thinking about it. You stopped tasting it to a very large extent. We want to taste our food. And in this process, we're actually going to enjoy our food a lot more. You will get more pleasure out of your meals. That sounds nice, right? Okay, so step one, we look at our food. You pick it up, you look at it, you eat it. Now, once it's in your mouth, there's a, there's a, a number of different ways you could eat it. Uh, from what I understand, let's go back to that hot dog eating contest. I think they just like swallow the whole hot dog. I, I'm not even sure how, it's definitely not designed, it's terrifying, I really don't, anyway. Don't swallow things whole. Chew every bite and try to keep them smaller bites. Don't fill up your fork with mountains and mountains. Don't, you know, get spaghetti. Don't twirl it for too long. Take normal size bites and chew it for 10 times every spoon forkful. Give it 10 chews. Feel free to go for more than that. But this, again, this is going to cue in our mind. Look, I'm eating. Wonderful. If you can keep away all distractions while you're eating, do that. Definitely keep your keep your phone, any screen away from, from your from your table um, it'll help you with conversation people bond over food so you don't want that interf interfering with your bonding but be bonding between your mind and your meal you want your mind to be involved in this activity chew 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 so number one look at your food number two chew your food at least ten times your mind will pick up so much faster just doing these two things and you will get full so much faster and you will enjoy your food so much more. The line breakfast is the most important meal of the day was invented in the 19th century by Seventh-day Adventist James Caleb Jackson and John Harvey Kellogg to sell their newly invented breakfast cereal. Okay. So breakfast might not be the most important the uh, meal of the day. Is that what you're telling me, Shlomi? Then that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that that line was made up to advertise breakfast cereals. Thank you, Kellogg's. But it happens to be that it's very true. Back in the 1960s, nutritionist Adele Davis famously said, "Eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. Wind down. Breakfast." Is the is the kickoff of your day. This is how you are energizing your day, and the food of your morning will be digested throughout the day. It does, in fact, take six to eight hours from food to get past your stomach. So just the stomach part of your digestion is six to eight hours. So if you start sit down for a meal at eight o'clock at night, that food is not going to be entirely digested to from two to four in the morning. We have to keep the dinner meal as small as possible. Happens to be culture is basically the opposite. Morning, grab something, run out the door. Lunch, you know, eat something at work. And at dinner, finally, I could sit down and eat, you know, eat for real. We really have to take breakfast to be the serious one and see how much we could cut down at dinner. If it means having a bit of a, a bigger lunch, that's okay. 
let's see if we could plan this out to be able to sort of squeeze down dinner. After 8 o'clock, do not eat anything. This is a huge tip. First of all, you'll sleep so much better. Your body, when it's sleeping, needs all its energy to sleep. It's actually uh, a, a task to sleep, to derive energy out of your sleep. And if it has to be digesting your food while it's doing that, it, you will get a fraction of your sleep. If you eat right before going to bed, the first number of hours will be divided between sleep and digestion. That, that means you get half the juice out of your sleep. You sleep eight hours, could be only walked away with four good ones. Keep dinner tiny, keep breakfast big. Fill it up with protein, something, uh, proteins are the things that keep you full longer. I'm not actually a nutritionist. I don't know all the details of the carbs and the fats and all that stuff, but uh, carbs fill you up, but don't last too long. Proteins are the are for the long run. They'll keep you full longer. Okay. We mentioned Kellogg's advertisement ploy for uh, selling breakfast cereals. By the way, cereal might not be your best choice for breakfast bearing that in mind. Okay, but I'll leave that to your own discretion to figure out your own dietary plans. Let's move on to soft drinks. Ladies and gentlemen, soda is bad for you. Yes, it is. Just to give you an idea of how much you have been sold into this idea of soda, guess how much Coca-Cola spends a year on advertising? $4 billion on average. Is that insane? A year. A year. In the last five years, they've spent $4 billion on ads. You know why? Because they need to. Because they really need that advertising. Because if you look at just the beer facts, regular soda and diet soda are both linked to obesity, kidney damage, and certain cancers. It's very damaging to your kidneys and livers. The high levels of phosphoric acid in sodas are linked to kidney stones and other really things you don't want. Sugar, high fructose corn syrup. These are not things that you want in your body. It puts a tremendous pressure on your liver. The sheer amount of calories that you get out of soda. You're thirsty? Drink water. We've been trained to drink soda when we're thirsty. The interesting thing is that soda dehydrates you. Caffeine is a dehydrator. You're thirsty. The thing you don't want is soda. Stay away from the soda. Drink water. Drink water before your meals. Drink water during a meal can help. Drink water after meal is a good idea. Before the meals is the best time to be drinking water. It also, that'll help alleviate some of the strain that your stomach is going to be going through while trying to process everything that you've eaten. Again, if you limit how much you eat, your stomach is going to have an easier time and uh, you'll be good. Let's uh, talk about a couple of foods that might be worthy of putting your eye on just to add them into your diet. You know, very often what we eat is just what we have in the fridge, what we have in the cabinet. So stick these things in, in your uh, cabinet. If you have chocolate in your nosh draw, swap it out for some dark chocolate. Yes, it does not taste as good. I grant you that. But there are actually some healthy components to it. And 
the an actual chocolate is remarkably addictive. Sugar is more addictive than cocaine statistically. We'll never know about it because it's not the worst addiction in the world. So no one's really getting up and fighting it. But it's really, really, really not good for you. And if, if it's something that you can't stop, you have to. If you could say no to it, then you are allowed to say yes. If you can't say no, then you must say no. Nuts are a great snack. If you get something in a shell, you get pistachios, you get uh, sunflower seeds, it takes some time for you to munch through them. Go with that. Apples, yogurt, fruits. Um, make shakes. Try to be creative. Things that you'll enjoy. And make that a part of your diet. It goes such a long way. And yeah, know that you're taking a step down as far as the tantalization of your taste buds. But it's worth it. And you get an everlasting pleasure out of that. Now hear this out. Every time you are offered some delicious unhealthy food, you are being offered two pleasures. Number one, the pleasure of eating the chocolate cake. And number two, the pleasure of not eating the chocolate cake. The pleasure of eating the chocolate cake disappears very, very quickly. And it doesn't end very well. The, the, the everlasting pleasure of not eating the chocolate cake is everlasting and is a far greater pleasure. Know that and choose correctly. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, feel free to email me at askmetherapy at gmail.com. It's spelled the way those words are spelled. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. Bye.